So last week, we kicked off this message series called More Than a Paycheck, which was about honoring God at work, in the, in the workplace. And the thing, the big idea that we talked about last Sunday was that the purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. That's what we came down with. So we, we go out and we work, and we really don't work for our boss. We're really representing who Christ is. We're representing um, Jesus when we work. And we looked at a passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, that told us that we are to work willingly at whatever we do as though we were working for the Lord rather than for people. Today we're going to talk about how God cares about the small things in our work, the, the details. And I want to start it off by telling you an absolutely true story that happened to me. So this is 14 years old, and uh, I'm a young boy living in Chandler, Indiana, a town with one stoplight, and I was a bicycle geek. Uh, me and my friends, we would ride our bikes, and we would take our bikes apart, and then we would put our bikes back together, and then we would like trade parts, and then we just did that. I, I don't know why, there just wasn't much going on in a small town. So we got a little proficient at taking bikes apart and putting them back together, because we had lots of time on our hands. I uh, didn't have a lot of other things to do. So uh, I, I'm 14 years old. My dad comes home from work and tells me that there's a friend of his that, uh, that he works with that took his granddaughter's 10-speed apart, and now they can't figure out how to put it back together and wanted to know if I would put it back together if he would pay me. Now, I'm 14 years old, and I've done this like hundreds of times for free to just with nothing to do. So now I'm thinking, I actually get paid to do this? So I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. So my dad shows up the next day with a bike frame and a bucket of parts. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So for about a week, I tinkered with this 10-speed bike, and I put the whole thing back together. And, and I got close to the end, and it's kind of like when, you know, you have parts and you're putting something together and you think, oh, I don't see that part, but I'll find it, and, and then you finally get down to the very end and you realize, like, you have, there's like one piece of the jigsaw puzzle missing. Okay, I had one piece of the bicycle missing, and uh, I think we have a, up on the screen, I can show you. Okay, this is a, a bicycle stem on a bicycle. It goes into the head post, and then the handlebars hook onto it, and so it's the thing that keeps the handlebars straight. Does everybody understand that? Okay, there's a small piece that I was missing. And go to the next slide, Luke. Okay, this little piece right down here, which is a nut that goes on the bottom, and the way that it works is when you tighten a bolt that's at the top, it slides and expands and holds your handlebars straight. Does that make sense? That's how mechanically it works. We're having a little engineering lesson. Okay. I didn't have that piece, and the guy was getting the bike the next day. So I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do. And this is before like FedEx and you could overnight it from Amazon and we didn't live close to a bike store. So I knew my dad had this stuff that he called Loctite, which was like a glue that he used. So I, I took it and I put glue on this stem and I put it in there and held it in place. And you know what? It worked. It like held the, the bike handlebars straight. I was like, Am I smart or what? I mean, come on. So anyway, I get $25 for putting the bike together. And this is like, great. I mean, I, I just, I learned something. I learned how to think on my feet. And it was just a great, great experience. A week later, my dad comes home from work. And he says, hey, I was talking with Charlie. 
And he said his granddaughter had a wreck on the bike that you put together. And when they, the handlebars like uh, just were moving when she was riding and she wrecked and they pulled out the handlebar and they can't find the little piece that goes on the stem. And of course I'm thinking, that's tragic. Oh my word. You know, I'm trying to be as innocent and I, I wasn't a very good liar. And so I, my dad was like, do you know what would have happened? And so um, I finally confessed to my dad that I didn't have the little piece and I didn't know what to do and I panicked and I just glued him on, which he kind of looked at me like, what were you thinking? And it's like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. I just panicked. So um, he made me go back and apologize to the granddaughter and apologize to the guy and I had to give him my $25 back and I didn't get anything for actually putting the bike together. But I did learn a very valuable lesson. Little things matter, right? Little things make a big difference. And so when you're putting together a bike and you have thousands of pieces, that little piece on the bottom of the stem is very, very important because without that piece, bad things happen. Today we're going to look at a story of a man in the Old Testament where he learned that little things matter. And when it comes to work, God cares about the little things in our work. Let me give you a couple more examples of this, of how little things matter. Does anybody remember the University of Michigan playing in the, for a national championship against North Carolina in 1993? Some of you remember that. Some of you weren't born then. But a uh, very familiar picture on there, that is Chris Weber, who played for the Fab Five. They were down 71-73, 11 seconds to go. His team has the ball. They have a chance to tie or win the game. He calls a timeout. Could have been a smart thing other than his team didn't have any timeouts. So consequently, because of that, Michigan was assessed a technical foul, um, which meant North Carolina went down, shot free throws, and got the ball back, and basically lost any chance of winning the game because it's a technical foul. Small thing, right? How many timeouts do we have? Well, that's small things matter. In that basketball game, it all came down to a small thing because small things matter. In February 1st of 2003, the space shuttle Columbia crashed over the Texas skyline. And during takeoff, there was some uh, foam that came out and hit some of, of the carbon solar panels on the front. And at the speed that it was going, damaged those panels. And upon re-entry, the heat got too high and the whole thing came apart. And what you see there is um, what was seen over... Dallas, Texas. If you go to the next slide, Luke, you see the nose there. You see those solar panels there. They, they, they estimate there maybe were five or six of them that were damaged and were missing. But because of reentry, that's what caused the whole catastrophe. Because it's the small things that matter. Let me give you one more story. In game five of the 1986 World Series, the Boston Red Sox were leading the New York Mets in the top of the 10th inning by two runs. They get to the bottom of the 10th inning. They have a two-run lead, but they have runners on base. They have two outs. Mookie Wilson hits a slow grounder to first base. Bill Buckner needs to pick up the ball, tag the base. The Boston Red Sox win their first World Series since 1918. But instead, the ball goes between his legs. After the ball goes between his legs, the other runners round the bases, 
Boston loses that game. In the next game, it's interesting. Bill Buckner went two for four, scored two key runs in game seven, but they still lost the series. And everyone in Boston now remembers Bill Buckner letting the ball go between his legs when all he had to do was catch the ball, tag the base. They're World Series champions. But it's small things. It's small things that sometimes make a huge difference. And when it comes to work, when it comes to what you and I do for 40, 50, 60 hours a week, we don't often see the fuss in small things. We often want to see it's the big things. It's, it's the big things that get all the attention. You know, it's who has the corner office or who gets credit for the success or who gets assigned the important projects or who makes the most money and gets the biggest paycheck. We see those as, those are important things. Those are the things that we worry about and focus on. Yet Jesus comes along and throws a wrench in it and says, you know what, I want you to be concerned about the small things, the things that you actually have control over. Because the things that I just mentioned, many times we don't have control over those things, but we do have control over smaller things. And he said, that's what I want you to focus on. So we're going to start off in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and look at a verse this morning if you want to follow along in your Bible. And in this verse, we're going to see the best career advice that you may ever receive in your whole life. And it's from an unlikely source because we usually think of Jesus when it comes to spiritual matters, not when it comes to the workplace or business. But Jesus is telling a story about a businessman and who had an employee and the employee was ripping off the business owner. And so he's telling this story and we're gonna look at the very last verse. But when we think of Jesus, we think of him in spiritual terms, but Jesus was a businessman before he turned 30 and went into the ministry. He grew up as a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter, and it was customary back then that usually what a father did, then the son would also learn that same skill. And, you know, it's interesting that when you see the pictures of Jesus, he often looks wimpy, uh, kind of like, you know, I, I don't know any other word, word to describe it, but that would be historically inaccurate from what we know about carpenters in the first century. These were pretty rugged men. I mean, they had a pretty hands-on job. They were usually pretty big. They knew how to swing a hammer. And so those pictures probably aren't very accurate. But Jesus would have understood what it was like to run a business. He would have, would, would have understood what it meant to have please your customers. He would have understood those things because he would have learned his business from his dad. So in Luke 16, he tells this story about this employee and he's ripping off his boss. And then in the last verse of the story, chapter 16, verse 10, he has this amazing, amazing career vice for all of us. Let's look at that. Luke 16, verse 10. Here's what we read. And this is Jesus talking. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Now here's what Jesus is saying. If you can be trusted with a very little, then you can be trusted with a lot. Okay, are we, am I back? All right, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. 
This is one of my object lessons. Yeah, what to do when things go bad and thinking on your feet. The small things. There you go, Bill. Yeah, it's the small things, like the microphone receiver. And uh. So Jesus is saying whoever can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much. But we could also turn that around to say the person who can't be trusted with a little also can't be trusted with a lot. And we often work as like we're disconnected from that principle. I mean, sometimes we pray in, in our work or in our field, we pray for more and more customers. When Jesus would say, I'm concerned with how you deal with the customers that you have right now. And we would say, hey, I want more sales. I want to do, I want to do more sales in my job. And Jesus would say, I'm concerned with how you handle the sales that you actually have right now. We're thinking, I want, a, I want a promotion. I want a bigger office. I want another title. I want to work up the corporate ladder. And Jesus would say, I'm concerned with how you are working and what you are doing in your job right now. Those are the little things. Those are the things that you and I can control. And we often are worried about the things that we can't control. So the application that we find in that verse is to be found faithful in the small things and to leave the big things up to God. And that's how it works because God cares about how we handle the details. And he cares about what we do and how we act and how we work when no one else is watching. So in other words, this is the bottom line this morning. God cares more about our character than he cares about our career track. God cares more about our character than he worries, than he cares about our career track. Now that's a little sobering for us to think of sometimes because it's easy, much easier to be more concerned about our career track than it is about our character. But God views it differently. And one of the best stories that I know that illustrates this purpose is are these, these principles. It's found in the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 39. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to follow it along. And we're going to look at um, this whole chapter this morning because in it, we're going to find seven principles that have to do with being faithful in the small things. Now, if you're turning there, let me give you a little background about Joseph. Joseph was this guy who had 11 older brothers. He's the guy that has the coat of many colors. Maybe some of you may remember that if you were in VBS or you went to Bible school when you were a little kid. But he had this coat of many colors that his dad gave him. He was his dad's favorite, even though he was the youngest. And he liked to tell his older brothers that he had this special coat and that he was his dad's favorite, which may not have been the smartest thing for him to do. But uh, anyway, that's what he did. And in, in one time earlier in the book of Genesis, he has this dream. And then he goes and he tells his brothers this dream. And in the dream, he's like, hey, guys, I had this dream. And they're like, what was your dream about? He says, in the dream, I'm going to grow up and all of you are going to beg and worship at my feet. Okay, another reason to get beat up if you're a little brother, okay? Not a real smart thing to do. So his brothers get kind of fed up with him. And what we find before we get to this story is they actually decide to throw him in a cistern. And then not only was that the first good idea, the second idea was, what do we do now? Oh, let's sell him as a slave to Egypt. So you thought your brother or older sister or everything were rough on you? I mean, you probably got, you know, uh, wedgies and got swirlies and all different things like that. Okay, this is probably a little worse. You didn't get sold into slavery. 
But we pick up this story in Genesis chapter 39 that Joseph, youngest of 12, gets sold by his brothers into slavery. And let's look at verse 1 because we're going to see seven principles about being faithful in the small things. This is what we read in verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Most Bible scholars think that Joseph was probably 17 years old when this happened. So not only is he sold into slavery, he's sold to a foreign country. He's shipped over there. Now, basically, instead of being the little special boy with the colored coat, he's now finds himself in slavery. He's sold to a man named Potiphar, who was a, um, a military official in Pharaoh's court. And so sometimes you think, you think you've had a crappy week at work. You know, imagine, like, get, getting thrown into cistern and sown into, sold into slavery. I mean, that, that, is a, that is a bad, bad week. But here's an important principle that we see in this verse, okay? Being faithful in the small things means that you endure trials and frustration. Now, we don't like to think about things like that. We like to think, okay, here's the deal, God. I'll do what you want, and then you do what I want, which is you take care of me, and, like, nothing bad or uncomfortable will ever happen to me. But that's really not, that's not good theology. That's not what it says in the Bible. That's somehow this Americanized version of we're going to do a favor for God, and then, God, you're supposed to do a favor for me. But that didn't happen in, in, in Joseph's case. And even when we are faithful in the small things, there will be times when we will deal with trials and frustration. So Joseph is sold into slavery. And you may think your, your boss works you like a slave, but probably not to the extent that Joseph finds himself. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. Second key principle here, being faithful in the small things means trusting in God to handle the big things. That's what Joseph did. He basically said, okay, I'm a slave. I'm in Egypt. I will just do the best job that I can. I will just be in control of my attitude, my work ethic. I'll just try to do as good as I can. And this amazing thing happened when Joseph did that. His boss took notice. His boss noticed there was something different about Joseph. There was a guy who worked hard. There was a guy who, who managed the small things, who did well in the little things, and then God rewarded him for it. It would have been easy for Joseph to give up, to throw in the towel, to feel sorry for himself, but he didn't do those things. He just continued to trust God, and he knew that God could and would bless him because of that, because God would handle the big things. You know, our God is big enough to handle whatever the frustrations are that you face in your job. And we think, well, God can't really do anything about it because he doesn't know my job. I mean, my job, if you knew my job, but God is big enough. I mean, if God wants your boss removed, God can remove your boss. If God wants to give you a promotion, God can give you a promotion. If God wants the irritating person that you work with is difficult to be transferred to another location, God can handle all of those things. He is big enough to do that. Your job is to focus on the small things, the details, that which you can control. Verse 5. From the day Joseph was put in charge of the master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. 
All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was such a good worker for his master that he kept getting promoted over and over and over again. He kept getting more responsibility over and over and over again because he focused on the small things, the details, the things which he could control. And we see another principle in this set of verses, and that is being faithful in the small things mean you position yourself to receive God's blessing. Because God does want to bless all of us. But the thing, we have to be in, our, in a position to receive that blessing. And being in a position means trusting God and doing the small things that God, that God cares about. Because God will bless you and your career, but he's going to do it on his terms and not your terms. So Joseph was promoted because he had a great attitude. He worked hard. He didn't complain and he could be trusted. And that put him in a position to be blessed by God. Verse 6, the second part of verse 6. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. This is like an episode of Desperate Housewives, like straight out of there, okay? That's where they stole the idea. It says, come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So Mrs. Potiphar, she's a cougar, okay? She's trying to seduce Joseph. I'm thinking, like in my mind, I'm thinking Joseph is looking like an Abercrombie and Fitch model right now, okay? I don't know why. I don't know why. It just, in my mind, you know, i just seeing him as that. So uh, the older Mrs. Potiphar comes in and tries to put the moves on Joseph. Now, normally when you hear this story, it's in regards to teaching about sexual temptation. And it is obviously a great story to think of in those terms because of how Joseph responded. But what I want to do today is I want us to keep our work hat on. And I want to focus still on Joseph having a job and having a responsibility. Okay, because here's the principle that I want you to see in this verse as it relates to work. Being faithful in the small things means honoring your boss. Because honoring your boss honors God, period. It just does. If you honor your boss, you are honoring God. And being respectful to your boss is a quality that God desires in us. Now, this week I had uh, lunch with our resident theologian and overall great guy, Jeremy Padani, who was... uh, um, did announcements earlier, and uh, we were talking about this, and he, he says this thing, and it's like, that was really good, Jeremy, so I wrote it down, so I have to give him credit for it. This is the quote that he says when we were talking about this. He says, show me a person who is honoring their boss, and I will show you someone God is going to bless. And we talked about this idea that uh, so many times in the workplace, even with Christians, we're not very good at honoring our boss. We know all the weaknesses. We know all the things that he doesn't do well or she doesn't do well. And we're not very good at honoring. And yet honoring our boss is an important quality. Now, I'm not saying that, that if they're doing something immoral or illegal that you're supposed to go along with it. But I'm saying in the day-to-day role, you are to honor your boss. And that's what Joseph did in this circumstance. But let's go on to read the rest of the story, verse 10. 
It says she, and that is Mrs. Potiphar, kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Verse 11. One day, however, no one was around when he went in to do his work. She came, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Principle number five, being faithful in small things means doing what is right even when no one else will know. Because even when no one else knows, God knows. He knows how we handle things. He knows what we do with those little things that we think aren't a big deal that no one else is watching. It just doesn't really matter. Those are the things that we tell ourselves. And yet in this story, we see Joseph knew that God would know. If no one else ever knew, God would know. And so because of that, he was faithful. Remember what I said earlier, God is more interested in your character than your career track. And so you see in this, in this story right here. Joseph understood that and he knew, okay, the way that I respond in my character is way more important than the consequences or, or what may happen here. And we go on to see in verse 13 that there were consequences to what he did. When Mrs. Potiphar saw that she was holding his cloak and that he had fled, she called out to her servants and soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. So now Mrs. Potiphar is lying about what happened, you see. Verse 15, when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. And she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she told Mr. Potiphar her story or her version of the story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Now, this is the part of the story where we read it and go, but that's not fair. Joseph did the right thing. Okay, he did what he was supposed to do, and that's not fair that he got thrown into prison, which, you know what, it's absolutely right. It's not fair. But principle number six is this. Being faithful with the small things means there could be negative consequences. But God still is worried more about your character than your career path. No one ever said that being faithful in the small things was going to be easy. It wasn't fair to Joseph that he got thrown into prison. It wasn't fair to Jesus that they nailed him to a cross. And you and I will experience things in our work where we won't get credit for something that we did. Someone else will say something bad about us or put us in a negative light, or we won't get a promotion that we deserved, and we will say, that's not fair. I did the right thing. I did all the things that I was supposed to do. It's not supposed to work that way. But Joseph knew that it was more important to honor God than compromise his integrity because God cares more about his character, my, my character and your character than he does our career path. All right, verse 21. We're going to wrap this story up here. Last three verses. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. God hadn't forgot about Joseph Verse 22, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners, 
over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. First, he's sold into slavery. Second, he's thrown into an ancient Egyptian prison. But those verses tell us, but God was still with Joseph. Wasn't the way he thought his life was going to turn out. Probably when you ask him what he wanted to do when he was 10 years old, he probably didn't say, "Uh, I think I'll be a slave and then I think I'll go to prison. That probably wasn't even in the top 1,000 of the things that he would have thought he would be doing. But in prison, Joseph remained faithful to the small things. And God noticed. And God rewarded him. And God gave him favor and God blessed him and he took care of what he could control and God took care of what only God can control. And we see the the seventh principle in this story that being faithful with the small things means you are dreaming big because you are allowing God to dream for you. See, we think sometimes, well, I want to dream big, but, but the interesting thing is when you dream big, you and I are still pretty limited in what we're able to dream. That, that God can dream bigger than any of us can dream. And when we focus on the small things and allow God to take care of the big things, we're not giving up our big dreams. In fact, we're tapping into big dreams where God will do things that we never thought, that we never imagined, that we didn't even think were possible. If you take care of the small things, God is completely capable of taking care of the big things. In fact, he can bring circumstances that are bigger than our wildest dreams. Now, I want to close this morning with two stories that I think kind of take what we've talked about in the story of Joseph, and they um, kind of bring application for us. Henry Blackaby was a young, promising preacher back in the late 60s, and um, he went to seminary. He got a doctorate in theology. He was one of the top in his class, very promising. People thought had really high hopes for this man named Henry Blackaby. You see this picture of him. um, This is what he looks like today. But in 1970, he felt called by God to go pastor at a very small Baptist church in Saskatoon, Canada. And most of the people that were close to Henry said, why are you going to Saskatoon, Canada? I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a really small church. Why are you doing that? Why don't you do something big? Why don't you go be a part of a big church? Or why don't you do these other big things that we think God wants you to do? But Henry was certain that God was calling him to go serve in a small church in Saskatoon, Canada. So that's what he did. And he served with all of his heart and he poured himself into the people and he, and he focused on the small things, the things that he control, could control and tried to be as faithful to God as he could. It was during his time and during his ministry at this really small church in the middle of nowhere that God gave him the vision to write a personal spiritual curriculum called Experiencing God. Experiencing God, now today this is 42 years later, has sold over 7 million copies and has been translated into over 70 languages. Has anybody here ever been through Experiencing God? Several of you have. It's an amazing, amazing work of what it's like and what we need to do to experience who God is. And it's basically like a devotion that you go through and gives you a workbook. And it's an amazing piece of work. It has blessed so many people. There are so many people in this world that have gone through experiencing God. And it's interesting to think that it was written by a man 
in Saskatoon, Canada, who was being faithful and serving at a small church, and God gave him the vision to do this, and he wrote it out. And now the impact of his thoughts, the impact of what he experienced is being felt around the world. You see, Henry Blackaby was faithful with the small things, and he left all the little things up to God. And God was big enough to dream way bigger than Henry Blackaby could ever dream and do amazing things with it. Another story. Corey Tinboom was a Jew in Nazi prison camp in World War II. And in her book, The Hiding Place, she f- tells about the horrible living conditions in which her and her sister were living in. Um, the barracks in which they were living in was infested with fleas. And so every day they had to deal with all these flea bites. They would sleep. They would wake up covered. They were scratching. There were just fleas were everywhere. It was just this infestation of fleas. And it was just a miserable, miserable experience. But her sister would constantly remind Corey that in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so her and her sister would go around and thank God for all the little things in their barracks. Even though they were prisoners of war by the Nazi regime. In fact, they would go around and thank God for the fleas. And as as hard and as crazy as that seemed, they would somehow say, God, there's a reason for everything, so we will thank you for all of these small things. It wasn't until decades later that Corey Tin Boom, who her and her sister both survived the Nazi prison camp, learned of the thousands of women who were murdered, raped, and brutally beaten in the other barracks that were around her and her sister's barracks. And they rarely ever saw any guards in their barracks. And and it wasn't two years later that they found out why. It was because they had fleas in their barracks. And the guards didn't want to go into those barracks because there were fleas there, and they didn't want to get the fleas. So they just left them alone. And in that story, it's amazing to see that, you know, things that we see as a problem, things that we see as a nuisance, things that we see as insignificant, God uses all those things in a really big way. And we see them as just details that can be overlooked, swept under the rug, not a big deal. But God says, you know what? I am much more concerned about those small things because you can control the small things and you leave the big things up to me. And I'm more concerned with your character than I am with your career path. So I want to leave you with a question to consider this morning. And here's the question. As you look at your current job situation, What would you do if you were confident that God was paying attention? If you were absolutely certain that God was paying attention to your job day in and day out, how would you work differently? How would you be a different employee if you were certain that he saw everything that went on? How would it impact your attitude? How would it affect your interactions with your coworkers or your customers? How would it impact your work ethic? Because the truth is, God is paying attention, and he sees everything we do, and he sees how we work, and he sees your potential. In fact, God is the one who gave you your potential. And so if you're in a job where you think, I'm kind of in this job, and I don't see any way out of it, if you're faithful in the small things, God can find a way out of that job. God can find a way to bless you. He wants you to be faithful in where he's put you and what you're doing. Because he's more concerned, far more concerned with your character and who you are and how you do the small things than all the big things that we often worry about so much. Let me pray for you.
God, I pray for each person here today. And um, I, I know some of their, some of them, what they do for a living, or we also have young people here who are still in school uh, and, and studying for a career. But Father, wherever each person is, the things that we've looked at today, these principles in the story of Joseph, I pray that you would customize the application for each person to show them what they need to hear about how they can go out Monday morning and focus on the really small things, the details, the things that we are in control of, and, and relieve themselves of the big things in which you are in control of. And Father, knowing that if we are faithful in those small things, then we could also be found faithful in big things and that you will make those big things happen. Help us not to be worried about them, not to be consumed about them, but to focus on the here and the now and what it is that you've given us. Thank you for the story of Joseph and a man who um, did the right thing, focused on the small things even when it wasn't easy. So today I pray, and this week I pray, that you would help all of us to honor you with our work and uh, be found faithful in those small things just as you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.